0: My last day on earth uh, will be, uh, the story I tell will be what happened to me yesterday because I think that in life, um, every single day is an experience and every single day is an encounter with, with people and situations. Uh, and And I think that the last story I tell will be literally, What happened yesterday when I walked into the McDonald's and the guy in front of me bought my meal or what happened at a traffic light when I leaned over and looked at the person next to me and somehow we laughed and smiled about something or whatever that story is going to be, it's going to be the thing that happened to me the day before.
1: All right. Welcome to the Storytellers Network podcast. I'm so glad you're joining us today. In this episode, we talk with someone who's been telling stories for more than 40 years, from comedy to ventriloquism to news to marketing. This guy seems to do it all. He's currently the president and owner of the boutique media consulting business, Ellie on Wheels Media. He's a good friend of mine, just a good guy. Today, Al Gettler shares with the Storytellers Network his storytelling craft, his successes and stumbles. In other words, his story with some great advice too by the way. Now before we get into today's conversation just a quick reminder to find us online at the storytellersnetwork.com for more episodes how to contact us and for other resources to help you tell your story. If you like what we're doing here please consider leaving us a review. It helps us reach new storytellers and thank you to Podcast Pilot and Casterly for supporting this movement. We appreciate all that they've given us and if you want experts on the podcast world like How to Start Your Very Own Podcast Talk to the teams headed up by the legendary Jamie J. and Sarah Parrish. And I have to thank my parents as well, Dick and Sharon, for taking a chance on sponsoring these first few episodes. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Now, let's get to our stories. So, uh, yes, Al, you're joining me today, man. I'm so glad you made time for us today. How are you?
0: Dan, I am well, and it is such an honor to be on here with you. We've known each other for a while, and uh, you're just a great guy, so I'm happy to be part of this
1: project. Well, shucks. I'll send that five bucks your way here pretty Absolutely. soon. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we have known each other for a while. Gosh, I in fact, it's funny because we got introduced at an inbound conference event, whatever you call it, HubSpot puts on. That's um, correct. Experience, they call it. Um, yeah. It is somebody, uh, Tom Schwab, I think is who it was, said, you've got to meet so-and-so. No, it was Mike Lemire. Okay. That's who it was. And he said, you got to meet Al, and Al, you got to meet Dan. And, uh, we had a great conversation. And then a couple years later, I figured out that I know your daughter too.
0: That's right. Yeah, so- the fabulous MK Getler hubspot, yeah. right? Yeah.
1: So crazy ties, but yep. uh- But yeah, I'm glad to have you on the Storytellers Network today, and uh, I like to start off with proving that you can truly be a storyteller anywhere in the world. So let's find out where you are geographically right now, Al.
0: Well, I am uh, talking to you from the shores of uh, Lake Champlain in South Hero, Vermont. So uh, I I do live on an island. Uh, My wife and uh, my daughter and I live uh, uh, on an island that's named the Hero Islands. It was uh, gifted by the country. To Ethan Allen and his brother, it's fertile farmland. It sits out in the middle of Lake Champlain. Not everybody's familiar with Lake Champlain. Uh, At one point, uh, Senator Patrick Leahy tried to get it named a Great Lake. It's not quite as big as the Great Lakes, but it's a beautiful, beautiful lake. And we live on a bay. And uh, life's good in South Hero, Vermont.
1: Very nice. So, you, And that's, I'm guessing, your home office, right?
0: Yeah, I work out of my home office when I'm not traveling. Um, in addition to what you mentioned in the intro, I also work for a newspaper consultancy owned by a fellow named Tim Dillinger. And uh, so I travel quite a bit for Tim as well.
1: That's awesome. So you truly can be a storyteller from anywhere in the world.
0: I truly can. Today you happen to catch it. me in Vermont. Yep.
1: <laughs> so uh, you mentioned newspapers. We talked about Ellie uh, on Wheels. Uh, ventriloquism, entertainment, marketing, all this stuff. Have you always considered yourself a storyteller?
0: I have, I have, you know, um, I go back to when I was a little kid. Um, I, um, grew up in New Jersey. Uh, and, uh, I was the first kid that was not born in New York city of, uh, five out of six kids. And, um, I consider myself a storyteller because I was around storytellers so often in my life. Even though I grew up on the Jersey side of the George Washington bridge, I really consider myself a New Yorker because every weekend someone was either, uh, you know, having an anniversary, having a birthday, having a celebration or christening a baptism, uh, you know, a, uh, you know, first communion, being an Irish Catholic family, or even, you know, the ultimate in death, which uh, somehow, uh, you know, the old joke, uh, the difference between an Irish uh, wake and an Irish wedding is that one less (laughs) less, uh, drunk. So, uh, but no, so I I was around all these people who are great storytellers. And so, um, you know, that's why I think storytelling is just kind of in my blood because of all the relatives and and people I was around um, with storytelling. So yeah, I think it just comes with the territory for me.
1: So, just in your blood, did you know? Did you recognize that early on, like that that label, or something that you've kind of grown into? Do you think?
0: Well, it's growing into it. So, at these family parties, I mean, there were, there were some prolific storytellers—uncles, friends, a family—but uh, especially my dad. My dad was a storyteller, and I often tell people that I was raised on a bar stool, and that sounds kind of uh, horrible and negative, and uh, it really wasn't. It was just kind of the way of life uh, from the New Yorker. My dad was with the neighborhood, you know much like I visited Ireland, the neighborhood pub or the town pub is a gathering spot. We spent a lot of time stopping off in In uh, neighborhood bars and and, uh, in in the town I grew up in, in New Jersey, there was a place called The Lodge and uh, my dad would uh, say, let's go out and buy some, uh, you know, five penny nails or whatever. And we'd end up at The Lodge for the rest of the day. And my dad would be telling stories and telling jokes. And, you know, uh, my dad was actually mayor of our town, even though he did not have a secondary education. In fact, I'm not sure he even got through high school because World War II broke out and he lied about his age and joined the Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, my dad was kind of an interesting rough and tumble fun, you know, beer and shot kind of a guy. And I heard lots of stories from him and lots of stories from other, uh, gentlemen in the pubs and the bars. Uh, and then also my dad was as a veteran, a member of the American Legion. So if we weren't at the lodge, we were at the American Legion hall. And I sat next to gentlemen who were, um, veterans, uh, who had experienced, uh, primarily World War One, World War II, and the Korean War. And I heard their stories, and I was a kid. So, you know, I was propped up next to them, drinking a cherry Coke and and hearing these stories. And they didn't quite sound, other than like stories of, of old men, they didn't sound like anything that I, um, you know, made a huge impression on me. Until one night, uh, when my wife and I were living in Ohio, we uh, got a babysitter, and we went to see the movie Saving Private Ryan. Mm -hmm. and the opening sequence of Saving Private Ryan uh, and it's not a a spoiler for anybody who's never seen the movie if you haven't seen the movie by the way folks you gotta see Saving Private Ryan it's a game changer but uh, there's this uh, battle on D-Day and the beaches of Normandy and uh, the tremendous loss of uh, U.S. servicemen Um, and I watched this in the theater and the tears started rolling down my cheeks uh, and I held onto my wife's hand tight because Suddenly, all those stories that I had heard as a young man sitting on a bar stool in the American Legion Hall um, came home to roost. I realized that the, the men uh, and even some ladies that were sitting around me who had served in World War II literally uh, had been through this, this battle. They were survivors of of the beaches of Normandy, and it just hit me like a flood that um, stories, uh, as often as they might sound like just stories, the realism around stories uh, will, will will get you every time.
1: Isn't that amazing? I, you know, I <clears throat> for uh, about four and a half five years worked with World War II veterans and some Korean War vets uh, with the Honor Flight Program.
0: Yes, I've seen that, Dan. Amazing work. Thank you.
1: Well, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, Yeah, the stories they tell that we get to listen to and be a part of, oh, it's incredible, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it really is. You know, there's, um, talk about storytelling. There's a gentleman, uh, Morley Piper, who was the executive of our New England um, newspaper and press association, who for years didn't tell his story. He was a first lieutenant, 22 years old, landed on the beaches of Normandy with with men underneath him that he had to get through that battle. And if you ever get an opportunity just to YouTube uh, search Morley Piper and hear his story, now that's a story to listen to.
1: Mm, oh, incredible. i love to do that. Yeah. So, Al, what is it about storytelling that you love so much?
0: Well, I think that storytelling um, connects us. Storytelling is something that um, brings us to a new place. It changes us. Uh, it, it brings us to a point of growth and you know my wife and i nancy and i have always 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 told our kids stories at bedtime um it's a it's a a value that we've had uh, ever since mk who's now 33 was uh, was a little girl uh our our middle daughter samantha um who now tells stories to her kids uh and then our our 15 year old um beautiful little late-in-life surprise Jillian, uh, always told stories uh, to them by way of picture books first and then written books. And then with Jillian, even, I went further. I thought, why stop here? I started reading her chapter books at a pretty young age, started with Winnie the Pooh uh, and worked my way up through uh, books like Wonder, who even she was a preteen when that book came out. We read that together out loud every night uh, at bedtime. And um, I found that those always... Brought us closer. We had a lot to talk about as a result of other people's stories. But then one night, we were between books. And I started making up stories uh, and creating characters right there on the spot. And lo and behold, those became her favorite stories, the Mm -hmm. stories that dad made up. About these characters. And um, I couldn't remember any of the great details about them, but I can tell you that most of the time they were experiences that I had in my life that I gave to the characters of the stories. And those were indeed her favorite stories. So storytelling to me is just, um, it's a gift. And when you go back to the fact, you know, why are we so engaged with stories? Well, when you look at society, the Bible, the Koran, um, you know, uh, the scrolls, whatever religious basis that you have, storytelling is a part of the creation of mankind.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that funny that they remember those stories, like you said, about the ones you made up? I did the same thing with my oldest. We're a blended family. So I have a daughter and stepdaughter. And my oldest is my, my biological. And I used to tell her stories. And I just changed the name, Lulu instead of her name, (laughs) Ava. Um, But it was experiences from those days or those weeks before or before before she had a memory of stuff. And then the Blended family became, instead of Ava and Zoe, it was Lulu and Sophie.
0: Oh, that's so cool.
1: And she's still, she's 12 and still asks for them. Tell me a Lulu story, Dad. That's That's awesome. Yeah, I love love that.
0: Well, you know, Dan, and I I think too, that uh, if if anybody's a young parent here that's listening, um, I am a big advocate of saying, tell your kids stories, read them books, because, uh, you know, our little Jillian's uh, going on 15. She's an amazing young woman. An honor student, and I'm not bragging. I'm talking about the power of reading stories and storytelling. Mm-hmm. I just think it's uh, it's so key.
1: Yeah. Now, on a professional level, you know, you've been involved with in newspapers, with uh, other media, with television, with online content. I mean, you, you've yeah. been everywhere ventriloquism in front yeah. of stages, in front of, um, not in yep. front of stages, on stages. Right. Uh,
0: Sometimes in front, too. Sometimes <laughs> thrown off them. So, you know.
1: <laughs> wherever, wherever you can get an audience, right? Right. What is it professionally that you love about that, about that storytelling thing? And, and as a writer, I mean, so let me go back before I ask the question again. Um, you know, I asked you to be on the show because you're a writer, too, mm-hmm. from, from journalism to online content. Right. So, as a writer storyteller, what, what professionally moves you with that whole idea?
0: Well, you know that's that's really great, and you know, and uh, and and thinking about that question, I want to start from a place that's uh, to me it's kind of professionally sad. But Brian Williams of uh, NBC Nightly News, the anchor, who was actually. I think still my favorite anchor of contemporary news anchors, I love Brian Williams and poor Brian Williams got caught up in, uh, in something that's so key with storytelling and that's embellishment. And, mm. you know, I love my wife, Nancy dearly, but she is the most literal person in the world. <laughs> uh, if you tell her the joke, why did the chicken cross the road? She's going to stop and say, well, chickens don't really want to cross the road. I mean, chickens. uh, Yeah. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. You know, so you get into these debates about that. Well, good storytelling is embellishment, right? I mean, you know, you take a story and you and you add some twists and turns to it. And I'm not going to say it's total fiction, but uh, I think storytelling is based on fact with a little bit of um, little bit of stuff thrown in, we'll call it. So Brian Williams goes on, Letterman, one of David Letterman's favorite guests. And he tells a story several times that just gets bigger and different because he's a storyteller and he's a good storyteller. The problem is in journalism, um, there are facts uh, and there is there are, there are, there are not facts. And um, the hardest part about storytelling for me uh, as a personality is that when you're telling a news story, there's no embellishment. Um, I did not go to journalism school, but I ended up you know, publishing newspapers around the country. Uh, and luckily, because of some very influential high school English teachers, mm-hmm. learned how to write fairly well. Um, and I'll never forget, I wrote a story for my newspaper in Ohio, the first newspaper I published. And I think I used the word gasp, uh, gasped or something like that, talking about how a person reacted. And a young editor who um, probably in her early 20s said to me, we don't use words like that in news stories. Um, so in other words, it's said, said, and said. So the difference between professionally for me is when I'm on stage, when I'm talking to a, to a group as a speaker, um, when I'm addressing leadership or customer service to a group, I will tell lots of stories. And those stories are certainly embellished, laced with some humor, Uh, I I try to find uh, a way to make them more interesting. When you're telling a story in journalism, it's fact. And we are such in this world of fake news right now, which uh, just bugs the heck out of me. There are so many solid journalists out there day in and day out giving fact-based news. And uh, we call those stories, but those stories are fact-based and Um, You know, they are to be honored and journalism is indeed a profession that I hope will thrive in our digital age and uh, that the story told that way will thrive and that the story told that, as I mentioned, uh, has a few
1: embellishments, also thrives and, and continues. Yeah. What do you think is a big challenge in storytelling for a lot of storytellers?
0: I think keeping it engaging. You know, keeping, it, keeping people's uh, attention is really hard uh, in today's world. Um, you know, the, uh, the ultimate for anybody who's in front of an audience, when you see someone's hand go like this, and for the audience who's listening, I'm holding up my hand as if there's a cell phone in it. <laughs> as soon as that happens, um, uh, you know, people say they can multitask, and I always claim that I can multitask. The reality is, as soon as you do that, the attention span is, is gone. Uh, even if a person picks up the phone to record your story, they're, you've only got them for a certain amount of time. So the hardest thing today is, is to engage people, bring them someplace else, have them forget about their device, and actually listen to the story as you're telling it.
1: So you mentioned the phone, obviously. So there's one uh, medium that, that tends to distract us or affect storytelling. We talked right. about newspaper, magazines, um, TV. Yep. How do different media affect storytelling, do you think?
0: Well, I think the, the game has changed, right? If you throw social media and digital media in, in, in the mix, uh, and by digital media, I don't necessarily mean a legitimate news site, um, but just, you know, what is available. Look what we're doing today, Dan. I mean, you know, you've got this amazing podcast. You know, you and I are sitting in our homes. Uh, we're on video uh, for, for, for folks who, you know, you might put this on YouTube someday. We're definitely on audio. You're your own productions, you know, company right now you know, the Dan Moyle production company, that's very, very different from just a decade ago. I mean, you know, you, didn't, you don't need to have hundreds of thousands of dollars today to broadcast. And so um, the media has changed so significantly significantly when it comes to storytelling that um, it, it almost blows your mind. Um, just today, uh, you know, I'm not sure when this, this, this uh, podcast will air, but in the news today uh, is a, uh, an Amtrak train wreck in Seattle. And um, there is someone who literally is reporting breaking news on their cell phone that was picked up by the Today Show uh, and is telling the story of this crash moments after it happened, really even while it's happening. That's how storytelling has changed in our world from that respect to your kid in a school play, um, uh, someone you meet. Um, an interesting picture that you you take of a place that you've been, and you tell a story about it. We have so much available to us today to tell stories; it is incredible. Now, that said, it doesn't necessarily mean storytelling is improving in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> um, people need to understand that storytelling is requires thought and 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 some dedication of time, and editing. Um, editing is the hardest part. I am my own worst editor. Uh, My wife is a great editor. Uh, It's painful to me when she edits my work, but she knows what she's doing when she edits my work. And she knows that my little babies that she cuts along the way, uh, it it makes it hard for me. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, just because we have these media uh, available to us doesn't necessarily mean we're getting any better at it. That being said, Dan, one more thing. I think what's happening in storytelling when it comes to things like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and and even the, the pressure it put, puts back on networks like HBO, we are in an age of storytelling in the in the in, in the sense of, um, of television scripts, um, shows. Just it's amazing the stuff that's coming out. Stranger Things. I mean, you know what a great story and how it is captured audiences all around the world. Um, I've gone back now and started watching what I'll call some of the originals, Breaking Bad. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm about three quarters of the way through that. I never watched it the first time. Now I see where the core of this comes. There's so much out there for people to be able
1: to tell stories in a, in a beautiful and wonderful way. It's it's all, it's a golden age again, isn't it? It's a return to a golden age almost.
0: It truly, truly is a return to to a golden age. That's yeah. exactly
1: right, yeah. Do you think we can tell stories in 140 characters?
0: Um, some people are really good at doing that. Um, you know, it's a little like, um, like, like radio, if you will, um, a sound effect, a line, uh, some dialogue, uh, makes the mind wander and grow. And, and, and there are some people who are very, very good at being able to take a a minimal number of characters and thinking them through and expanding your thought process. And however, you know, I got to tell you, it's, uh, it's not always about how many people like something or how many people, uh, you know, even retweet uh, it it comes down to uh, you know the thought the thought leaders certainly do a great job of of getting that kind of attention. Some of the best storytellers out there are are not known very well, but um, they're great storytellers nevertheless
1: yeah, absolutely um, do you think that uh, social media as well, one particular kind of media you know I asked the one hundred and forty character question because I, right. I I wonder about how social media changes that, whether it's six second videos on Vine or it's Facebook live or Instagram stories or, you know, uh, Twitter, you know, how do these new media change the way we tell our stories or is it just a matter of, it's just a different medium? No big deal.
0: No, it is a big deal. I mean, it depends on what your goal is, right? You know, if you want to say, I went to the beach with my friends. Okay. You went to the beach with your friends, you know? Uh, Great. You know, uh, and but if you want to take a really well composed picture and create um, a line around it, uh, I, I just give you an example. Not this is anything great, but last night I had a few extra minutes. Uh, we're we're, we're um, talking in December, a week before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, it struck me the snow was falling in Burlington, Vermont, as I was going to pick up my daughter. I had a few minutes. I always have a, uh, a you know, decent camera with me. And I was looking up Church Street in, in Burlington, Vermont, which is an iconic street of Christmas lights and a big Christmas tree at the end. And I just snapped a couple of pictures. And I simply wrote in the caption on Facebook, It's Christmas time in the city and the, and the date and the time that I took the picture. And people respond to that because it tells a story. Um, the line, It's Christmas time in the city brings us back to listening to old Christmas carols. Um, the photograph reflected everything that's in that song. Um, you know, people walking down the street and greeting each other and, you know, carrying packages and the rest. And so it's, it's really how you decide to take the image and the words that you use to tell that story. That's cool.
1: That, that alone is inspirational, but I want to get to my, my question about inspiration as a writer. Do you, or as a storyteller in general, do you take inspiration from everywhere? Do you have a particular muse that you lean on? What's your inspiration?
0: Uh, you know, my inspiration's life. I mean, period. You know, um, someone taught me somewhere along the way, I don't know who it was, but eyes wide open all the time. Mm. I mean, bottom line. In fact, the more you write, the more your eyes are wide open. When you write, when you when you um, commit yourself to writing, and I'm not writing right now as much as I usually do, but when you commit yourself to writing, um, your eyes immediately start being uh, more attentive to what's around you, you know, uh, and uh, it, it just allows you to um, put a filter in your head that takes in fragments of things that happen throughout your day and file them away as you write. So I say to anybody that wants to tell stories, you know, call it journaling, call it writing, but dedicate yourself to just, you know, writing a few words every day, you know, whether it's 100 words, 1,000 words, write, because writing just opens up your mind to what's around you. And uh, depending on what you choose to write on uh, is what's going to open up that kind of um, portal in your mind, you know? So I write a lot about leadership and customer service, and I pick up quite a bit as I go around um, my day and understanding what's a story uh, and, and what's a nugget that I can use somewhere
1: down the road. Yeah. Great advice, Al. I love it. So, um, Al Gatler joining us today, uh, writer, extraordinaire, entertainer, storyteller. What is your favorite story?
0: <laughs> my my favorite story tends to be my latest story. Um, and, uh, I have just two, two small ones that I'll tell. Um, the first one is the power of Ola. Um, and so you say, well, what is what is what is Olá? Well, first of all, Olá is hello uh, in Spanish, and uh, it's a greeting. Hmm. Um, I just went to a sales meeting uh, in the Dominican Republic, um, into into Punta Cana uh, is the airport that we flew into, and the resort that we stayed in. And as soon as I got off the airplane i was greeted with hola hola twice hola hola and now i am not a, a spanish speaking person uh it's always been an, an uh an aspiration of mine to you know to try to learn how to speak spanish better but i uh, have not uh not done that well so hola um i heard hola and you know said hello and then the next person i greeted said hola uh, okay Got it. Makes sense. Then when I got to the hotel, which was a uh, a Hard Rock uh, branded hotel, uh, the Ola's even got more enthusiastic. Ola, Ola. And it was always twice, three times. And uh, it struck me that everywhere I went in the hotel, Ola was the the, the greeting with such enthusiasm that was used that uh, it just struck me as something that they took a word, everyday word, and really branded it for the friendliness of the Dominican Republic. And so as the visit went on, uh, being the dad that I am, I like to stay in very close touch with my daughter. I FaceTimed my daughter one night, and uh, I started taking her on a tour of the hotel. And as I toured the hotel, uh, I suddenly realized that my, my technology in my hand and the young members of the staff turned into an event. And everywhere I went in the hotel, the person that I was kind of talking to on camera with my daughter would take my phone and give her a tour in the area that they worked in. And I would tell her, you need to come to the Dominican Republic and come join your, your papa and come be here with us. And she also is taking Spanish in high school. They were testing her Spanish. And it blew me away, the engagement that the Dominican people have. I mean, obviously, tourism is very important to this um, still third world country and their economy. Um, Ola is a word that is used in the Dominican Republic as more than just hello. It's, we are glad you're here. We are glad you're taking your time and spending your money with us. We want you to come back and we want you to be a family here in the Dominican Republic with us. So that's the power of Ola.
1: That's
0: cool. Yeah. Yeah, and then the, the other story uh, that just happened last night. Uh, again, I you know these are nuggets that I grab. I have been walking around Dan with a coupon in my date book. I, I still have a. Uh, it's a Michael Hyatt date book, in fact. You know if uh, anybody's familiar with Michael Hyatt, but yeah. Michael puts out these great date books, and I, I'm still committed to the paper date book. So I printed off a coupon for a free can of dog food in this house that I'm speaking to you from right now. There are four dogs. <laughs> uh, there is a uh, an old guy who's a part pit bull. There's a middle one who's a part bulldog. There's a um, a little dachshund who we just took into our home. Uh, was my daughter's and son-in-law's dog, and they were only allowed two dogs in their new place. They're, they're part of the U.S. military. Uh, and then we have our little Chihuahua, who my company is named after Ellie on Wheels Media. Ellie's a little Chihuahua born without front legs. So I, we go through a lot of dog food. Hmm. Took this coupon, put it in my daybook, and said, "I am going to stop and get my free can of dog food." So finally, last night, after I picked my daughter up from um, from the University of Vermont's uh, indoor track facility, we went straight to uh, to the pet shop. Uh, I picked up some um, some uh, some bags that you clean up. Um, the result of dog food when you have four of them uh, you go through a lot of those walked up to the counter with my free can of dog food handed it to the girl behind the counter with my coupon so proudly that i had used my coupon and she said sir this is pet smart and not petco (laughs) so i went oh crap so here is here's my story she looks at me she smiles and she says you know what sir because you went to all that trouble to bring me this coupon, I'm just going to give you $5 off your purchase today. And I went, wow, that's a customer service story. Yeah. The coupon was maxed out at $2.39 and PetSmart gave me $5 off my dog food because I'm an idiot.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Double the double the discount for the idiots of the world, right? Exactly right. Yeah.
0: So there's there are two little quick customer service stories for you.
1: Oh, that's good stuff. I love it. Thanks, Al. That's, that's good stuff. Uh, a quick tactical question for you: How are writers and storytellers in today's day and age supposed to get our stories out? Well, I think the the, the
0: bottom line is is to is to get them out. Um, you know, a, a, a nugget kind of kept in a box is not going to, no one's going to hear it. So if you don't already have a WordPress, uh, you know, free site at WordPress.com, get one. Uh, if you don't have a, uh, a, a tendency to put your stories on Facebook, just a, sh- you know, short, fun, little pithy thing, do it. Um, more so than anything, just write. I mean, write, 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 and then get it out there, uh, in any way, shape or form that you can bottom line is if you don't start gathering first you're not going to be able to tell stories and storytelling can be you know I gotta tell you uh, some of the best presenters that I see uh, even people who have to stand up and present the annual budget for their their bosses uh, at, at a uh, you know at a, at a meeting they'll have these PowerPoint slides with these uh, you know eight point type on a giant screen uh, those are always fun right yeah. <laughs> um, but the ones that are really good even even when you have the driest of finance people if you have the ability to recognize and tell a story and lighten the mood for a minute It's going to do you so much more than just, you know, being the other, the average Jane or Joe going through that process.
1: Absolutely. Uh, When, at, at what point have you looked around yourself and thought, I think I've kind of made it as a storyteller or are you still working on that? Oh
0: no, I'm still working on that. <laughs> I, I, you know, um, I, as you've pointed out in my career, I have done like so many crazy things. It's hard to define myself sometimes, which is also one of the reasons why I think I haven't made it. Cause I still don't know exactly who I am or what I am, but no, I mean, I think storytelling, uh, I just heard a woman who was a guest on, uh, on another podcast and she was a great storyteller. And I went, wow, I hope I can grow up and be like her someday. Um, You know, she just did an amazing job. And it, it all centered around uh, a Christmas decoration. Um And it had nothing to do with the holiday season. It just had to do with this, what this thing meant to her and her, her family that had evolved into a split family. And Again, you know, where's your inspiration as a storyteller? Where does it come from? Um And, and defining that. So I am nowhere near... Close. There are some great storytellers out there. I am not one of them. I'm still working on it. <laughs> well,
1: I look at it as, as you, you've kind of made it. I mean, the, the career you've had, what you're doing with your life, how you're helping others. Um, so, so be, uh, be aware of that. <laughs> yeah, I, you. I, I look up to you. So thank you for that. Um, but how did you get here? You know, even if you haven't made it so far and you're still working on that, how did you get here as a storyteller to where you have an audience you have influence. You are a subject matter expert on, on a lot of things. How did you get to that point?
0: Well, I'm going to go back to my dad. You know, I'm, I'm the son of Edna and Al Getler. Uh, you know, and uh, they were good, solid people in our town growing up in New Jersey. Members of the volunteer fire department. My dad, a fireman. My mom, the ladies' auxiliary, the American Legion. I mentioned. You know, mom was in the auxiliary of that. It was kind of a traditional male, female role back then. But, but my mom and dad, you know, certainly taught us how to be engaged in your community. But then my dad, my dad was this um, pretty uh, bigger than life guy. You know, he, um, he, he just told a lot of, of stories, gathered a lot of information. Again, he wasn't a well-educated man, but my dad hung out with the, the president of J.C. JCPenney, um, the president and CEO of, uh, of, I think it's now defunct, but back then AMP grocery stores, you know, uh, these were his buddies that he played cards with. He hung out with some, some pretty amazing people. And my dad always just kind of proved to me that be the person who you are and listen and absorb and, and it'll help a lot somewhere down the road. And that's really, uh, how I think I've kind of ended up where I am today by just kind of learning that lesson and watching my dad.
1: That's cool. That's a great way to pay tribute to your dad. I love that, man. Do yeah. you do you see um, the network around you as well? You mentioned earlier you got some some breaks through, you know, high school uh, connections, this kind of thing, or like, is it the network around you that often helps you as well?
0: Oh well, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned high school. So my high school, Pascal Valley High School in Hillsdale, New Jersey, <clears throat> was uh, a pretty amazing experience for me. Um, I tell my daughter, and I stole this line from Brian Tracy. <clears throat> that I was in the, uh, half of the class that made the top half possible. Um, <laughs> so, uh, um, and it, it's true. I was not a great student, uh, but I, uh, I loved my high school years. I mean, I just loved my high school years. My daughter does more homework in a week than I did in four years of high school. <laughs> I swear to God she does, you know, wow. um, but I was my class president, I was in all the, you know, I, I was on all the teams, I was, I was involved in, in plays. Uh, our, our school I called the original Glee High School. My, our football coach was also the choir director, uh, the music director, and so we had to be in the high school musical every winter. <laughs> You know, um but we also had a woman named Victoria Frankie. Victoria Frankie taught public speaking and we were all required in high school to take one semester of public speaking. I took several, but um that is a pretty unique experience for a high school to give you. And so even the person who is the most introverted of people, uh uh, you know, had to do public speaking. Um and one of the things I've learned by the way about being introvert and extrovert, there's no difference when it comes to public speaking. Um mm. There are many, many introverts that are better public speakers than extroverts. It has nothing to do with that. You can get that that groundswell within you to get up there in front of people and still be an introvert. So
1: Yeah, I'm glad you said that, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I as a performer, uh, many performers that I know along, along the way, I mean, we all like to perform on stage, but we are awkward and sometimes in big group situations, so <laughs> it's just weird, but yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it, where is your you, you, speaking of stages? Uh, where is your favorite medium to tell a story? Is it writing, stage, ventriloquism, entertainment, video? What's your favorite way to tell a story?
0: Definitely in front of a live audience, uh, and and the audience can be, uh, you know, when I when I have a staff of people, um, you know, when I when I'm running a newspaper or a media company, um, I love to tell stories as a part of you know everyday meetings, trainings, you know, what have you. Uh, But I think, you know, uh, I think my public speaking side of what I do when I'm when I'm paid to come in and and speak on leadership or, or speak on customer service or wrap up a meeting which is another thing I do where I combine my public speaking and my ventriloquism both uh, it always comes back around at the end of the fact that I was a ventriloquist and uh, and then I bring that out as a surprise ending to what I do when I present to a company um, so you know I think telling stories to me is the most fun when you're in front of people who are um, you know, not expecting it, not seeing it coming necessarily, uh, but that come away with it at the end and go, you know, that story you told about, you know, PetSmart, um, I am never going to forget that. I mean, it, you just, you lit, you turned a switch on inside of my head that I, it was the thing I was looking for and you brought me to it. To me, that is the greatest reward as a storyteller, you know, yeah. absolute great reward.
1: So uh, that's beautiful. That, that that feedback, that touching someone, you know, helping someone, that's a, that's a great way to, To wrap that up. Um so Al, here's your Barbara Walters question. Here's your moments. If you could tell one (laughs) uh, if you could tell one last story, if you only had it in you or only were allowed to tell one last story, what story do you think that would be?
0: Dan, it's gonna be the story that I that I got from yesterday's experience. Mm -hmm. Um my last day on earth uh will be uh the story I tell will be what happened to me yesterday, because I think that in life um every single day is an experience and every single day is an encounter with with people and situations uh and and i think that the last story i tell will be literally what happened yesterday when I walked into the McDonald's and the guy in front of me bought my meal or what happened at a traffic light when I leaned over and looked at the person next to me and somehow we laughed and smiled about something or whatever that story is going to be, it's going to be the thing that happened to me the day before. Um, I, I often joke that, uh, the way I want to go is I want to be 103 and get you know shot in the back by a jealous husband jumping out of a woman's bedroom window. Um, <laughs> i know i stole that from somebody too i just can't remember who but (laughs) you know uh but i I, I, the point is is that life is about living and and your stories should be evolving every single day and if you keep your eyes wide open you're going to have a story from yesterday that you can tell today
1: story from yesterday you can tell today i love that al that's beautiful very cool where so where can people find your stories
0: uh, real easy, algetler.com, A-L-G-E-T-L-E-R.com. Um, I have my blog there, information about me. I'm just about to do a little bit of a, an overhaul on a few things. So, uh, you might see an under construction sign every now and then, but uh, I am there. You can reach out to me. My email is easy. It's al at algetler.com. By all means, email me. I will answer every email and, uh, I'd love to see you on my website
1: and sign up for my newsletter. Excellent. Well, thanks for your time today, Al. It's been great hearing your story, man.
0: Dan, you're a good man, and I know um, we christened you a, 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 a member of the Gettler family, uh, you know, a few weeks ago by, via, via, via a, a Facebook comment, and we mean that, so uh, you are always welcome at a Gettler gathering.
1: Uh, I appreciate it very much. Yeah, thanks. So thank you so much to our guest, Al Gettler, for being on the show with us. Great advice, great stories, just, some, just a, a beautiful conversation. Be sure to visit Al online, which you can find links to in our show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it all over the place. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, email, text, Snapchat. I don't care where you share it. Just share it. We appreciate that. And if you want to leave us a review. We'd also very much appreciate that. It helps us read, It helps us reach new visitors. So there you go. A big thank you to our partners here at the Storytellers Network. Uh, we appreciate all the support here. Thanks to my parents, Dick and Sharon, for taking a chance on me and sponsoring these first few episodes. And also to our professional partners at Casterly and Podcast Pilot thank you. Thanks for making the world of podcasts a better place. Jamie J and Sarah Parrish and the rest of the team are terrific humans, and you'll be better off knowing them. Without their support, the Storytellers Network would be just a dream. So until next time, here's to telling our stories and having stories to tell. Cheers.